Ladies, 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 I am back after an unannounced and an unanticipated hiatus. Um, looks like I've been gone for 17 days. The last podcast episode was on October 2nd and today's the 19th. So I'm so glad to be back and doing this. Um, during the time, though, that I wasn't recording, I was definitely in the Word of God and I made several notes of podcasts to record. So let's do it. Let's get excited. Let's get into the Word of Jesus today and let's grow in our marriages and being a godly wife. ladies. I'm Carrie, a child of God, a wife, and empty nester of 28 years to my rugged mister. We have two handsome and tall tattooed sons, two beautiful daughter-in-laws, and a fantastic grandson. Our marriage almost fell apart about five years ago due to my BS. That's before submission ways. I prayed loudly for God to change him, but I was the one that needed changing. I was mentored and our marriage is now solid, restored, and incredible. It's now my passion to help women not stay in their own BS and understand living life as a godly, submissive wife is amazing. So to bring you up to speed of where I've been for the last 17 days, um, we had friends coming into town for a visit. And uh, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to record for about a week. So I had pre-recorded all of the lesson on the whole armor of God. And if you haven't listened to it, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to that short series. It's very powerful about fighting principalities rather than looking at your husband as the enemy. So go back and listen to that. So anyways, um, I pre-recorded recorded those and I thought that uh, once they left I was going to be able to jump right back in and get recording other episodes. Well the second day that they were here we had a showing on our house. I don't know if I've said it on here but um, we have a big farmhouse and it's just my husband and I and uh, we do not use the entire upstairs of this home. So one day I got convicted several months ago actually I got convicted about it and uh, I thought why are we living in this big house? It needs like a family. It needs kids running around in it. And so we tossed and turned around other ideas if we were going to sell everything. We have four acres with it. Um, you know, what we were going to do. So we ended up subdividing the property and we left about an acre with the farmhouse. And then we are taking the other two buildings on the, the property. One is a like a barn garage and then the other is a workshop out back. So we are going to convert our the barn garage into our living quarters and then we'll have the workshop out back and then we have plenty of land to, you know, do chickens and a garden and things like that. Yeah, so that's the plan for selling the house. Now, before I go on to the story, I should let you know that we put the house on the market in the end of June. The very first people that looked at the house put a contract offer in on it, and we were like blown away. They're actually, they did one of the video tours of it. They were moving here from Arizona, and um, they needed a house right away because the husband was about to start work, and they had no luck of finding anything in their price range. Um, now, the farmhouse needs work. It's not, you know, 100% renovated, and we're selling it as is. 
So things were moving forward okay with that three-week close. And in about week two, we um, decided let's start packing up. You know, we have a week to go. And uh, we're, I'm packing up all the closets. We're moving boxes out to the back workshop. A friend came over, and um, he was helping with adding electric out into the nest. So we'd have a few more outlets temporarily. Um, just little things like that. And uh, it, it was a very, very full 4th of July weekend. The closing date was set for July 5th. Monday, July 3rd, so that is the day before a bank holiday, um, there starts to come up with a little bit of an issue with the lender, the, the financing for the buyer. And we're like, oh my gosh, like we have 75% of the stuff out of the house right now. What do we do? So the realtor reassures us this is just a simple hiccup. It's very common. Don't worry about it. Continue on. So we take all of the 4th of July day. We don't go to a picnic. We don't go to fireworks or anything like that. And we continue moving out probably everything but nine, you know, up to 95% of our, of the stuff in the house. We had it down to um, our bed in the house and then a few dishes. So it'd be a simple cleanup on Wednesday before closing, and then we could move forward. Or so we thought. <laughs> so Wednesday the 5th, the day that we're supposed to close, our realtor lets us know in the morning that there's still a concern with the financing, um, something about with the pre-appraisal that came back, some work that needed to be done on the house per the lender. And so we offered a great seller's concession because at that point we were so committed to moving forward. We also found out that the appraisal came back and um, it appraised out for over $40,000 more than we had it listed at. But we felt okay with that because we were comfortable with the number that the Lord laid on our heart to list the number at. So by five o'clock at night on Wednesday, July 5th, the sale fell through. Everything fell apart and I felt like I was just punched in the stomach at that point. I was like, what just happened? Like my mind was just numb. My mind was swirling. And then I was to the point of, oh my gosh. But then I got peace. I got this great peace about everything. It was definitely the peace of the Lord. And I thought, okay, we're going to be okay through this. This happened for a reason. We go about our day on Wednesday on Thursday and then Thursday night to Friday, I didn't sleep well at all that night. I got up really early. My mind had been, you know, starting to spin at night. Got up really early and I left the bedroom and I went out and I had absolutely no place to sit. Like I had no couch to go sit on. Um, we had a stool in the island area. So, you know, uncomfortable, but I was able to sit at that. And I had a bit of a meltdown Friday morning. Um, I was trying to hold it back from Mister and just get into the Word of God and stuff. So, you know, before he he left for work, um, but I get him off to work, and then he calls me a little while later, and he's like, "Hey, how's your day?" And I, I mean, I just unloaded with tears. I just unleashed <laughs> all my sorrow inside of me. I was like, "What happened?" And um, he said, Carrie, I'm going to take care of this. Don't you worry. And my husband, my big protector, my knight in shining armor, whole armor of God, right? Um, so he came through and he and a buddy from work stopped by that night and they moved our couch back into the house. They moved the television back into the house. They moved a few other pieces of furniture just so that we could feel a little bit more normal while living in this huge empty house at that point.
the realtor that we had at that fir- at that time with the first contract, she was horrible with communication. She came in strong, you know, she came in strong about how I'm going to sell the house and really sold herself. But what we found was that her communication skills, her follow through was very lacking. And maybe we set the bar really high with that because um, if you know our backstory, Mr. and I were both managers before. So we know what it's like to have something pending, what it's like to follow through with something, what it's like to let the other person know this is what's going on, just to alleviate concerns and fears of the other person. So, um, yeah, we weren't getting that. So we're going through with this contract and I'm constantly having to text her to call her. Hey, did the home inspection come back? Is everything clear with that? Are they okay with it? Did they sign off on it? What about the appraisal? I was constantly, there was never at any point her reaching me first and saying, great news or, uh-oh, we have a concern. It was never like that. And that was very trying on me. And through the whole thing, I would just pray to the Lord. And I really saw in that moment the difference of me being submissive and me being in a BS or before submission state of mind. And it came down to the control component. So if you remember my BS story, I was full of pride and control and I controlled everything in my life. Nothing was ever out of order. And if it wasn't going my way, I became very upset about it. Uh, Mr. actually has a term for it and he calls it business carry. Yeah, business carry. Mr. saw business carry frequently in the first couple of decades of our marriage. When things were out of control for me, um, I would get very gruff with people. I would get very um, short with people. And I could cut you. Like, I would break you down in it. And I'm telling you, sisters, this is nothing that I am proud of. If I could rewind all those times in my life that I spoke so in anger to people and rather than in a compassionate and calm, peaceful tone, I would redo that. Like I, I really, I don't like that old part of myself. However, I recognized with this realtor the difference this time because I so wanted to just grab hold of her and really chew her out for not representing us and not being there for us. And why am I always having to chase you? But I didn't. Instead, I took it to the Lord and I prayed about it and talked to Mr. And we both decided, let's see what we could do to get out of the contract with her. So we did. We were able to. I sent her um, an email and I just said in it that, you know, it's a relationship that's not working between the two of us. And is there any way we can get out of the contract? And so I don't know if she was just done with the, the whole thing at that point, too. But she graciously bowed out. So we stopped using her as a realtor and we were able to find another one. And when we found the new realtor, the house showed many more times. People came in, they liked this part of it, they didn't like that part of it, and then we weren't getting any more offers. I mean, it was showing after showing every single week, and our life was disrupted every time because we had the two dogs, Jabbo and Gus, and uh, I had to remove the dogs from the house because we didn't want that liability, of course. So thankfully, I'm home, and then we could make that happen. Um, but oof, it was tough. It was tough, and it was draining. And it was like every time our hopes would be gotten up because it sounded really promising of, you know, they know what a farmhouse looks like. They know the character to it. They're coming in. They're very excited. And then wah, wah, wah. Oh, and can I also say something? The We had professional photos taken of the house. And I got to tell you, if um, I could share them with you, I would because 
the inside pictures of the house, they were edited in such a way that it looked like something out of a magazine. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal the way these pictures displayed the house. However, I felt like we catfished buyers when they came in because they would come in and it wouldn't look like, I mean, the, 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 you know, photoshopped floors that were just so, so shiny and the, um, they could crop out certain things and, you know, the angle of the camera and everything. And it just reminded me of when women, you know, use a filter online or like a dating app and, and then, you know, the person go and they meet up and they're like, oh, you don't look anything like <laughs> what your picture did. And I was so concerned that that's what was happening when buyers were coming into the house, that they were thinking that it was just this beautiful, glorious, um, you know, picture perfect farmhouse, but it wasn't in reality. So that was always a concern of mine too. Yet we knew that the, the photos were part of the realtor's marketing plan. So we went with that and we continued showing the house and no one's making offers until that day when our friends are here, the second day they're here. And then there's a showing and the people absolutely love it. And we're under contract by Sunday night. And we're so excited about it because more backstory was when um, the first deal fell out, our, um, we had gone to the bank and we had looked into getting a construction loan so that we could have a contractor come in and just finish out the barn dominium and everything was going to be completed pretty quickly. You know, maybe we would have to live in a camper for a short bit or, you know, we were going to figure out some other kind of temporary housing. So in the time that we're with that first contract, we're in talk with our bank to get the construction loan going. And we were right up to the final part to sign the papers for the construction loan. And then the deal fell out on July 5th. And then the bank said, no, we need to wait now until you're back in contract before doing it. Because it's only based off of Mr.'s income. And he, he does really well and our credit's really good. However, the bank, of course, didn't want to overextend us. And, and neither did we, you know. So we're okay. We're back to square one, right? So we're in the big house and then we finally get the second offer come in and we're so excited because the bank told us, as soon as you get another contract, just send us a contract and we'll move forward with that. So we did that. Now, the people coming in from out of state, they, uh, you know, needed a temporary housing. So we said, well, we'll, we'll rent to them during that time. And we set the close date for up to 90 days just to give them time. And of course it can, you know, close earlier. Um, and then we would just pre give them pre-occupancy and they can rent the big farmhouse from us. So we take it to the bank and the bank says no, <laughs> because it was a 90-day close. And we were both thinking, what? Wait, you just changed the plans. And then um, just a lot of our things happened with that same bank and that, that were not promising. So we went to another bank that we work with here in town. And he said, absolutely, I can make this happen. He said, I'll have you a you know, construction loan within two to three weeks. We'll have to start with another appraisal, which meant another $500 for us. But we were willing to do it just to move forward. So he says to me, um, the next day, we I got some information to him. And the next day, he calls and he's like, oh, hey, Carrie, um, by the way, we're going to need a lien release on the big house to the second house because, you know, we divided the properties. So it was going to have to have two titles. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So I get back to the first bank, our bank that holds the note to the big house. And I say to them, can we get a lien release? And they came back with no, just a flat out no. <laughs> that we have to wait till the, the closing on the big house. And we were like, wait, what? Yeah, 
So there we were. Um, our friends were in from out of town and there, you know, we, we had a few days left with them and um, we got looking at it and we said, well, we can give you pre-occupancy by October 1st because again, we had 75% of the stuff, better than 75% of the stuff moved out of our house. So we thought surely in a few days we can get this stuff, you know, buttoned up, the house cleaned out, then they can get moved in because they were here from out of state and they had started new houses and they were in a temporary housing position and we thought let's just make this move for everybody they'll have a place to live they can start getting the renovations done that they need to for the loan and then we can be in the nest and then we can get the construction loan going and everything's gonna be hunky-dory right so we thought <laughs> For the last 16 days, I've been working with the realtor, um, working with the buyer, uh, <laughs> just all these things, trying to get all the contracts worked through. Um, and I sat here one day and I, I mean, I, it wasn't even one day. I mean, over a course of several days, I would spiral and I would just think, Lord, what have we done? Oh my gosh. And I know that everything was meant to be, that it was all in God's plan because we prayed through the whole thing. And when we pray, we pray, Lord, push it forward or push it to the side, push it forward or push it to the side. And so we're watching things unfold and things happen. And we're like, okay, Lord, like we know that this is your plan. What are you trying to teach us in this? What's the lesson that you're trying to show me? What are you trying to work out of me in this time? Because patiently, we have to wait. Time after time, we're getting told no by the bank and other, you know, other people. And we're just like, what is it, Lord? What do you, what do you, what are you teaching us? Show us, help us, guide us. Now, I wish I could say that I was in a sweet spirit about it the whole time, but I wasn't. Y'all, I can't lie to you, and I will be totally honest. My flesh got at me many days. There was one day that I walked, in, walked into church on a Sunday morning, and uh, I had people saying to me, Carrie, how are you? And instead of responding with that typical Christian response of, I'm fine, like that, I asked all those people to pray for my attitude just to pray for my attitude. And I was very open about it, that the sale of the house um, at that first time, then then to the second time and things going the way that they were, that it was just very trying on me. And it was very difficult to my mind and I was losing sleep at night and it was a lot of worrying that I was doing. So I was praying, I was asking people for prayer, pray for my attitude. And I know too, during that time, I did a lot of complaining and I hate that about myself, that I was doing that, yet I had all this information coming at me constantly. Business carry no longer exists. When I repented of my BS ways, business carry died also when I repented. Um, so I'm in this new person, this new creation of not operating in that old anger, that old wrath, that old like cut you down personality. And I operate in a gentle and quiet spirit that's pleasing to the Lord. So I'm trying to walk my way through all of this too. And I know I did well by the Lord. I know I did. Yet at times I would be home and I would just be complaining or I would be whining to, to Mr. And uh, all the things. And it would just really be tiresome.
So that's my introduction for this episode. <laughs> what am I at, over 15 minutes? I say all that to say, what I was doing was I was complaining to other people. I was complaining to Mr. Um, my friends in my um, Bible study, they would say to, say to me, out of concern, Carrie, how's the house sale going? And I would complain to them. They would pray for me, of course, but I was still complaining to everybody else. Yeah, over the course of 17 days, I complained to other people, yet I never took those complaints to the Lord. And just like how God works and how he talks to us, I received a devotional from a friend one day. She sends them to me every day, and they're really, they're so often right on point. And that particular day, the devotional was about complaining to the Lord and how right as this, the, the devotional was saying how we can complain to others, but are we complaining to the Lord? And, you know, um, our God is a big, big God. He can handle our complaints. And when I looked up the synonym for complain, it said two words that really stuck out to me. Bewail, which means express great regret, disappointment, or bitterness over. And then the other word was whine, and it means to cry out. So why was I not complaining to God? Why was I not crying out to our Lord, our Father, the one who knows it all, who knows the, the end of this whole thing, who was there before it happened and who was there with me during the whole process of the first contract, of the second contract, of the bank saying no? Why was I not taking it to him? Why did I forget that? So a day or two after I received that devotional, I was sitting watching a movie and our dog Gus had crawled up on my lap and he was sound asleep. So when the movie ended, I realized the remote wasn't next to me. My phone wasn't next to me. There was nothing next to me except for my Bible. And I wanted to let Gus continue his little nap and uh, pulled out my Bible and I read in the book of John. It's where I'm, I'm resting in these days. And I read some of that and I put my Bible back down sat there for a moment, and that devotional came back to my mind. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to complain to you for a moment. I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to bewail. I'm going to whine to you. I'm going to cry out to you in this moment every single thing that you already know about. This is None of this is a surprise to you. But, Lord, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to lay it at your feet. And I did. I sat there in that chair with Gus laying on me and I cried out. I complained to the Lord. I complained to him from the very first time that the contract, the first contract happened, all the way through of it falling apart, the showings that, you know, promises, promises, hope, 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 everything kept falling apart. And I complained and I gave it all to him. And he listened to me, and I know he did, because then I found these scriptures in Psalm, and this is what I want to share with you today. And the next time that you need to cry out to the Lord, that you need to complain to somebody, remember these Psalms. The first Psalm is Psalm 18.6. It reads, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. The second one is Psalm 77, 1 and 2. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. 
You know, when I was looking up uh, Psalm 18, 6 again, I noticed in my own Bible that I had already underlined a few other scriptures. So I paused for a moment and I looked at those. And these scriptures, it's so cool how the Lord works. The Holy Spirit showed me that even though I went to Psalm 18, 6 first about crying out, that the Holy Spirit will still show us the hope in the scriptures when we go to them for ourselves and we start digging around. So prior ago, I had already underlined Psalm 16, 11, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then 1745, Psalm 17, oh, four and five. I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer, uphold my steps in your paths. And that means when we're with the Lord. And then the last one is Psalm 18, 20, or excuse me, 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Amen. 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 And did you catch the last few words of that last scripture? He is a shield to all who trust in him. Sister, 17 days ago when I aired the last recording, it was about the whole armor of God. And what is the shield? The shield is the shield of faith. So we need to have faith in anything that any trials that we're going through right now, anything that's concerning us and listen to God as he's talking to you. You know, our pastor recently, he preached on a Wednesday night about in the book of James about trials. And then he was saying in the trials how um, we will complain. And I thought, whoo, Lord, you're listening to me right now, aren't you? And then the Sunday after he preached on worrying. And I laughed with one of my friends afterwards because I said to her, if you tell pastor one more time what's going on in my life and he's up there preaching on it, I said, we're going to throw down. And she laughed and she said, Carrie, I think a lot of people related to those messages right now. So sister, if you see that that's you, rely on, trust in, and lean into the word of God. Complain out to him, cry out to him and tell him, Lord, I need this from you, but don't stop there. Continue praying and then open your Bible. Open that Bible, sister. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me how I can get through this trial that I'm going through right now. Lord, you hear, heard all the complaints that I've expressed to you. Show me through your word how to fix this, how to walk through this with you. Ask the Holy Spirit to comfort you and feel the peace that's only possible when we reside in him.